What's up, everyone? I'm Hubert, your host. Our guest today is Galad Kleiman, CEO of Epsio. Epsio plugs into existing databases and builds incremental materialized views externally. They do this using foreign data wrappers and Postgres, which enables you to access and manipulate data stored in external systems as if it were in a local Postgres table. This approach allows Epsio to provide instant and always up-to-date results for complex queries while also reducing costs. We entered the interview with Galad providing his motivation for Epsio. I to introduce you to, as a, uh, a co-founder of Epsio. Um, you and I had spoken earlier this year. Uh, you reached out uh, over LinkedIn to talk about, um, to, to just maybe try to meet up and explain what you guys are doing. You're, you're somewhat of a, a stealth mode back then. It looks like you're not so much anymore. And congratulations to that. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to kind of rehash what we talked about because it really, it really resonated with me. And um, because of our conversation, I decided to add a section in our um, streaming databases book as like a new like emerging style of databases that are typically on the edge, but have very um, streaming-like characteristics. Um, could you just briefly, you know, go over what FCO is, what's your motivation to create it, and um, what are maybe some of the kind of use cases you'd like to cover? Um, uh, with FCO? Sure, I'd, I'd love to. Um, so basically, like very, very high level, I've been a developer uh, most most of my life. Uh, been uh, building, doing backend, I have a small section as a low-level low developer. Uh, and kind of throughout like all the, all the projects, all the features, all the things I was basically building, um, always had a database, obviously, and uh, Two two interesting things always always seem to occur. Uh, first is the amount of data got bigger. Uh, hopefully, if you're a successful company or building a successful product, as more people are using it, obviously you're going to have more data. Or, or as you develop new things, you're you're going to start collecting more data. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is that the questions or the queries we used to run on top of our database got much more complex. Uh, what starts as a simple select count maybe with a join, uh, after like a few years of product management uh, comes and asks you to now start correlating with that data and that data and break it down by a month and day. Uh, and suddenly both, both once the data gets bigger and also as the queries become more complex, uh, I think in a very high level way, there becomes this gap between the data you store and the data you use in your application, uh, whether it's the data you show in your dashboards, whether it's uh, the, the alerting systems you want. Um, and the more data you have and the more complex of queries you run, obviously your database is going to need to do more things to bring it from the data you store to the results. Uh, if you're, I don't know, you're doing a, you're a HR company and you have a dashboard showing the sum of salaries in the company, uh, if you have more salaries to go through every time somebody opens a dashboard, the query is going to take more time. 
Uh, and when we kind of like experience that and, and try to like build solutions ourselves, whether it's like optimizing queries, um, whether it's building caches or using materialized views or starting to build these, all these mechanisms uh, to solve that, we kind of uh, looked at the problem and, and, and kind of like didn't understand why, why the database is not a little bit more aware of the queries run on top of it. And why, why does the database do the entire calculation again every time we needed it, right? Because if, for example, we're building that, uh, we're that HR company, we as developers know that the select count of salaries is a super important query. We know that that query is going to run hundreds of times a second, uh, but our database is still running it again and again and again from scratch every time, um, which also takes up a lot of resource and also obviously makes the query uh, much slower. Um, so basically kind of like brought us up to the, to the idea of Epsio where kind of like bridges that gap between, uh, the data you have in your databases and the specific queries that you run, want to run, uh, in a way where you still have your same database, uh, that, that you're using and you just declare, for example, I want to know the select count, um, select count of salaries in the, in the company. Uh, and then Epsio will first time go through the entire initial data set to fetch the initial result. Uh, and then just like any other streaming uh, streaming mechanism, just receive the CDC, uh, consume the changes and know how to update the result accordingly uh, whenever changes occur. Uh, it's obviously very simple for things like select count, but once you're looking on like complex SQL queries, it can get very dirty uh, with things like subqueries, CTEs, um, multiple kinds of joins, distinct, mm -hmm. uh, and basically have to like support all of that in an incremental way, if that, if that makes sense. So that's like a very high level, uh, I think what we're proud of and what we do, uh, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So let's, um, for the audience, I guess, uh, let's kind of break that down a little bit. Um, what kind of database is it? Is it a OLTP database or OLAP database? So that's a great question. Uh, we actually started um, from, from like OLTP databases, specifically Postgres. Uh, although this concept is relevant um, also in, in, in like OLAP, OLAP databases and other places, uh, we kind of saw this interesting trend and in, in, in place where a lot of companies we worked at and also companies we, we talked with later uh, have this, this middle zones of queries that they run on top of their Postgres that are not all classic OLAP queries that they want to run on their data warehouse, whether it's because the data is not as fresh or whether it's because their backend is, is already querying a specific uh, Postgres. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, they're not simple selects. Um, so there are queries that still do a lot of joins, still queries that, that go through a lot of data. Uh, and we kind of saw that as a unsolved, like where, where I think our product would be of most value. Because uh, even though you can still optimize a lot of things in the OLAP, and even though uh, traditional OLAP still do a lot of recalculations, and if you query the same thing twice, it will still do the same, same mm -hmm. operation twice. Um, they're very optimized for heavy analytical, heavy co complex queries. Uh, so we kind of figured um, Postgres is a, is a good good place to start with or Postgres or uh, OLTP. 
but I think in a high level, high level, like the concept I think of like uh, basically incremental materialized views is obviously also relevant uh, in other places. And it, for us, it's just a matter of being very focused on a, on a specific place and, and doing it well before, before expanding, expanding to other places. So the, you're, are, are you still focused just on the Postgres um, or, or OLTP databases, or are you into other types of databases as well? Currently, currently Postgres with like alpha version of uh, MySQL and uh, SQL Server, okay. uh, but primarily there. So you have a um, a way to query uh, to run some analytical workloads on. Postgres, right? And you have a way to build materialized views, right? Through um, CDC, and it, it sounds like this uh, materialized view is an asynchronous process that runs in the background, right? Can you kind of uh, walk us through like a use case? Let's say you have like a, a customer table, you have a CDC, um, you're reading from the, the write-ahead log. Um, what happens next? Exactly. So uh, I love this. So let's maybe also take the HR company example. Which for some reason, I, I like using. I don't know why, but I keep uh, keep using it. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's say you have like a, your HR company. You have a Postgres database with records of employees and, and salary, uh, and you have this query of select count of salaries, which is causing you a lot of pain. Uh, what we do is basically um, deploy an FCO instance. It's like a separate engine running in separate from, from, your, from your database, like runs, runs in an own uh, uh, environment. Uh, and then basically two things, two things will happen. First of all, as part of the deployment, you'll configure the CDC uh, to stream the relevant tables, changes in the tables to FCO. Uh, for in this example, the, the salaries table. And then the second thing, uh, for you to be able to query the results, um, we would either um, write back to the database and maintain a, a result table in the original Postgres. Uh, so it'd just be like a materialized view. Uh, or the other option, which some, some companies also choose to use, is using foreign data wrappers, which is basically a concept that um, is in Postgres, MySQL has a different version of it called federated table that basically allows to create virtual tables that whenever you query them, uh, Postgres queries this external engine. Um, so basically in, in both of these architectures, um, the results, you can query them from your original database, uh, whether we actually write to a table in the original database or whether we create this uh, virtual table that queries us. Uh, and basically then whenever, whenever you have a query, so for example, select count, you would just call, call create FCO dot, uh, call, call create FCO uh, dot create mm -hmm. view, uh, give a name to the query, just write the SQL that you would run to run the query. And from that point onward, we'll receive all the relevant CDC to update the results and then just update the results. Uh, so you can query it from your original database. Uh, we kind of try to do it like a, that it would be very parallel to just creating a normal materialized view in your Postgres, only making it uh, incremental and always up to date. So you you basically created a like a 
an external materialized view service outside of a, a OLTP database. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we kind of understood uh, early on is as much important it is to like have a very strong engine that's capable of supporting a very broad uh, SQL operator support mm -hmm. and as much as it's important to be very efficient, uh, it's very also important to play well with the existing databases and tools companies use. There's this mm -hmm. quote I really like that uh, migrating a database is like changing an engine's car while it's driving, um, <laughs> which I think is, is really accurate. Like if you have a great database, but you need to migrate all your data, you need to change all your queries to use it, it's still a very painful thing to do. Um, so we had a lot of like thought and, and in general, as a company, I think we really believe on like helping developers adopt us without, without needing to do much work. Uh, so they, if they have a Postgres and we have a lot of respect to Postgres and probably for a lot of other things, developers use Postgres as the right, right solution. They don't need streaming materialized views for a lot of their use cases. So it's important for us to enable a situation where they can still have their Postgres still use it for all the normal OLTP scenarios, but just have like the benefit of, of uh, incremental materialized views without, and they can choose uh, the queries that, that they want to use it for. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, so let's, let's do a, let's do another use case. Let's do a join. Mm -hmm. So how would a join look like in FCO? So, you, so you're reading, so you have say two tables, right? And you're reading the right ahead log and consuming those two tables and building some state. So it sounds like FCO has to have some state, obviously, to be able to join those two or and aggregate. So let's talk about what that state looks like and um, how you can scale yourselves out as far as like, you know, it, it also sounds like there's some kind of buffer, maybe like a, uh, like a streaming queue or 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 your own kind of you know buffer to to capture the right head log and then and then um, join it with the other table. So so yeah, definitely. I think like uh, even even in the simple scenarios like select count, we still need to have some sort of state uh, to even save the count of elements. Uh, and obviously, in scenarios like joins, you you need to have more more state. Uh, specifically in join, we like need to store all the relevant uh, rows after the filters. And we obviously, very similar to databases, try to push down all the work we can uh, before yeah. actually the data. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're joining, joining uh, two tables, uh, you're going to have to store some state to do that incrementally. Uh, mm -hmm. Specifically, we use RockDB, kind of like a, Similar to the way we have a lot of appreciation to Postgres, we in general believe in doing our thing very well and trying to use existing tools where we can uh, that are optimized for, for what they do. Uh, so we basically have like a RocksDB internally that saves the state, and then we can basically very efficiently store, store the join results. Um, and this, it's also important for us to do stuff on disk and on memory uh, to mm. reduce costs. Um, and, and that's basically it. Regarding also the, the queuing, I, I'm pretty sure we had a uh, phase of, we're thinking about maybe using Kafka internally 
mm. for for just like the changes. But for now, it's like we seem to reach above above uh, the scale and 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 the resiliency we needed uh, without it. So far now, so far we're not we're not using it. Um, but uh, it was there. There was a time where we considered early on. Currently, uh, it's uh, much more simpler than that. Cool, cool. Um, and then you write the results back out into a table inside Postgres, so that they. Uh, so from the like a like a database experience, uh, I'm let's say let's say I'm on a Postgres console or a shell. Um, you have plugins that are specific to SPCO that creates these materialized views, correct? So actually, no, you don't need any, like the deployment process is uh, basically you mm. run a script that defines the functions and it's kind of actually pretty cool because since we're receiving the CDC, we mm -hmm. also have like kind of like command rights where you write like basically what call create FCO does is writes to a table, create that view, and then FCO consumes the relevant CDC and knows to create that that new view. So basically, no extensions yeah. are needed. It's just like two very simple PostgreSQL functions, uh, and basically, like everything is done done externally. Uh, also, a note on that 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 was also one thing that was really important for us because uh, a lot of cloud providers, like managed instances, don't allow to install any extension you want. Like on RDS, mm. you have to have like right. approved extension. Uh, and also in general, like extension, I think is something scary to, like if you're a big company installing a extension is always like a scary thing to do because if the extension crashes, your database crashes. Um, right. So so want to have this parity of like separation of of a point of failures where if FCO the availability zone or something goes wrong with FCO, obviously it affects the query you define in FCO, which is definitely not. Not a good thing, but at least the rest of your production database would still be up. Cool. Um, is there is there a way to uh, write that output into a different Postgres or even a different kind of database? That's a that's a funny funny question. Uh, we actually <laughs> got a lot of uh, a lot of requests for that. Um, specifically for companies who have like a single tenant deployment. That was the most classic yeah. uh, scenario and they want to have like a aggregation on top of all their postgreses. Um, that's something we're considering. Uh, and we have like even a, a internal POC for that internally. But right now yeah. it's uh, it's not that, not, not our bread and butter, but it's definitely like, as you can understand at the end of the day, we're consuming CDC and incrementally maintaining results. So it's mm -hmm. not like a, it's not far fetched that will generally uh, make that make that available soon. If that makes sense. Interesting. If um, so, is there um, so the use cases you spoke about that they're very like you know application based, right? Like uh, applications using the same database, and you want to create a uh, materialized view that is external. Um, and then so that, that that same application can can read it. Um, uh, how complex do you think these queries, these materialized views can be um, before you think, oh, 
FCO is probably not the solution for you. Maybe you need something like bigger. Um, it, do, do you have like concepts of like queries per second or 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 um, latency issues? Like so, so, so those kind of things. What 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 do you? At what point do you think that FCO is uh, not the solution? Um, but it, it kind of lives nicely in this kind of use case um, scenarios. I think uh, specifically, like in terms of query complexity or query frequency so far, like we supported, a, I think last last month there was a, a company who came with a, a thousand lines of SQL. I, I'm not exact, we actually, hmm. a, thousand, a query of a thousand line, I, it's like the most complex query <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. I was, <laughs> we were like scared that the actual string of the query would be too large. <laughs> <laughs> or like we were scared that we have like a buffer and we like assumed yeah yeah no chance uh, a query will be bigger than that that the actual query string would be too big so i think in terms of complexity uh so far that that hasn't been like a an issue i think having said that i think the major place where we're not relevant for or, or less relevant is um where, where most of the data changes frequently uh so like mm -hmm. if most of the result changes for example every day and you're running the query once a day probably we're not going to save up a lot of cost or efficiency because like we're doing a lot of work to constantly maintain the results um and we thrive the most where most of the data doesn't change um so i think these are kind of the places where where we saw that we're less relevant for and that, that's fine i i mean like no 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 nothing is a silver bullet and it's all everything is, is trade-offs um so i think uh the places where where yeah most of the data changes doesn't even have to be like most of the underlying data but if the results changes a lot um very very frequently that's probably going to be places that were uh less 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 efficient for uh, mm -hmm. if that makes sense um yeah it does it does what where i see epsio really thriving is the use cases where the patterns like uh like CQRS, right? Um, in like the microservices world, where um, where you're replacing some microservices that do this chunk of work to say read from a database and do some work and join it and then put it out to another database or some other uh, API, right? Um, and I think Epsio really fits nicely into that where the modeling and the transformation is still owned by uh, the data people that are part of your application team, your engineering team, without having to write like you know more Java code or or you know Python or Go code to do that to do that uh, the transformation right. Um, think of we're thinking of terms and materialized views which lives in the database um, instead of externally where you're doing some like backend microservice job. Um, so you, you're, you're using like a CQS pattern, CQRS pattern, you know, microservices. I, I think that will be really nice. Um, it really reduces the complexity of your application. You know, it, it could all be in a database, but FCO, I guess that, that happens just to be in the background, right? Um, 
What are some uh, really other interesting use cases do you see out there that, that you've run into with some of your you know interested prospects or customers? I think dashboards also is a very like customer facing mm. dashboards, not not BI. Like a lot of cybersecurity companies or, or, or health health tech, where uh, like a lot of the data they show is is very dashboardy. Uh, mm. I think that's one one place. Like it's super super relevant, um, specifically also on the on the customer facing front. Um, I think in general, like the things that are just part of the actual website or SaaS or wherever it is, like a lot of uh, scenarios, it's not a dashboard, but it's like a counter. I don't know if you go yeah. to a post and you want to see how much likes it had, which is like an aggregative thing, but it's still like part of the actual customer facing product. Uh, I think we're not more most efficient there. Like in terms of use cases, there are probably use cases like, I don't know, batch jobs running in the background where we can save up more money like in terms of infrastructure costs. Mm -hmm. But I think it just, these are the places I think based on the conversation we had so far where the latency is most important. Obviously, if like somebody opens your website, uh, like the, the difference between one second of loading to 10 millisecond is, is very drastic or even three seconds to, uh, or to, to a few milliseconds is like a very, very drastic win. Uh, and I think that's, that's the place I think where where we thrive the most because um, that's also where we can have these huge trade-offs that uh, we're obviously also very cost effective, but like we had companies who they had a dashboard that took 18 seconds to load and it went down to hundred millisecond, uh, which oh, was wow. a, like a, a big, big win and like, which makes a lot of sense because you're not doing anything when the dashboard opens, you just fetch the re pre-calculated results. Um, so I think these are the places where we have, yeah, which have you, um, work with animal, most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you heard of the, uh, a company called Hydra where mm -hmm. they have like enabled columnar storage in, in Postgres? So the, it really sounds like Hydra and partner with FCO is a really nice, like, edge analytical solution where Hydra could be doing some transactional, you know, you could read from the Hydra's right ahead log, which um, they are Postgres, Postgres compatible, right? Or they are Postgres. Um, you read their right ahead log and then right to their columnar based uh, storage, right? Um, might be something there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't checked it, but I like might might work, even work out of the box. I'm not sure how they're. Yeah, if they have like same CDC format, or right. if they change anything there. But uh, like, uh, we, we, yeah, yeah, companies have been also t asking us about uh, like other other Postgres mm. like uh, enhancing Yugabytes. Uh, I think also people have been asking. Right. Uh, and other similar similar kinds of uh, database. Although Hydra also specifically is like kind of like all up in, in Postgres, which is also very similar to what kind of what <laughs> from a different angle, obviously. But uh, similar. do you um, do you consider yourself? Do you consider FCO a, a streaming company? That's a good question. Uh, or, or do your that's prospects a good or customers? Because your customers think that you're a streaming company. 
That's a really good question. I, I, I don't know how, uh, I think we, we do a lot of, obviously we're doing streaming. I think for me, mm -hmm. like streaming is a amazing, amazing, amazing tool. Uh, but it's not the target by itself. And I think what mm -hmm. gets me excited so much is, is seeing what you can achieve with streaming. Um, and also like starting the problem we had and like, we even didn't think specifically about like streaming, streaming materialized views as, as maybe the first right solution for this problem. Uh, so I think like for us, like we're, we're helping companies bridge the gap between the data they store and the queries they want to run. And it just happens mm -hmm. to be that streaming is by far the best tool to do that, um, which uh, is kind of the way I see it, um, which doesn't, doesn't make like us less of a streaming because like streaming is amazing. And obviously that's basically the strength of what we're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. But I try to always remind myself that it's just a tool. It's not like the purpose itself, if that, if that makes sense. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. And I do people, I, I do think people fall into that trap where, where they are religious into the the technology itself and not really the, the the problem or the solution that you're trying to provide right um i find myself in that position sometimes as well you know but i think you know from a vendor perspective you it's, it's hard to not do <laughs> um you know uh and obviously like a lot of the conventions out there you go to like current and the kafka summit they're, they're all about streaming so you kind of have to have that that facade for each <laughs> each convention and each uh, kind of uh, person that you're you're speaking to that that has that background. Um, but again, at the end, you're you're trying to solve a problem, right? And and if that problem is uh, exists uh, enough, then you have a, a a place for yourself in the market to help you know serve those those customers. Um, uh, I, I don't have too much more, um, any more questions really. Um, what I'd like to do is uh, reach out obviously a lot more, a few more times, maybe through LinkedIn or, or whatnot. Um, as we, cause I'm, I'm starting the, which is the H tap or like edge. Uh, I don't know what to name it really. <laughs> These are all really edge-based analytical kind of like streaming uh, technologies, right? Um, like Hydra, yourselves, Epsio, um, Terso kind of falls in that space for me. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're the SQLite and uh, they're SQLite and they, they have replication, like global replication, but they're all edge-based um, uh, transactional databases that are becoming more sophisticated and smarter and, and you're in that same realm and, and it almost like needs a book by itself but i'm only going to dedicate a chapter to you guys um like all the htap databases are kind of in that realm as well right the the, the transactional to analytical um there's a lot of players there um, and i think they're starting to address a, an issue where things need to be closer to the client and we don't have that time to bring things all the way to the, the analytical plane where things really start to slow down. Um, so you're bringing streaming to the edge, you're bringing columnar storage to the edge, you're, you're doing a lot more sophisticated things. Um, 
and you're thinking of like distribute like distributed systems later, right? Like you do it here, let's get it done because you need it right now. But if other regions need it, or if like an analytical team needs it, there are other technologies that can bring that data to them. Uh, right now, we're focusing on the application and its quick responsiveness to to the end user, right? Um, uh, so I'm very conflicted as to what to name this chapter. Um, I don't want to name it H step anymore. I think I think there's our there there are like edge edge databases um, technology out there like yourselves that really make this space really interesting. Um, they're they're like half streaming or I I, I don't want to uh, and that's basically what streaming databases are. They're they have technically by by name half streaming, <laughs> right? And and half database. Ah. Right, it's a uh, it's a converging of um, batch and real time data. It's converging data at rest with data in motion, right? Um, and it's uh, so you, you're starting to see a convergence of these things where where batch and streaming used to be, you know, at odds with one another. Um, I, I mean, I noticed that because I've been in the you know in the space for quite a while. Um, you know, companies like yourselves, Epsio, really muddies that that <laughs> really forces us to be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think this is a great space, and I really look. I'm really looking forward to um, to Epsio's success. Um, in closing, where can we find you? What can some people that are interested in your product go to learn more or even use um, use Upsia? So I think the, be the best place is the documentation probably. Uh, we're also now starting a blog series to have like a little bit of a uh, in-depth, uh, also about the engine, also about like uh, examples of, of, uh, of example usages. Uh, but I think docs probably is the best Best, best, best place to go to uh, read about it, see if it could be of help, uh, and then obviously to try it out. That's the, the best thing, best cool. way to is see it, if it's, uh, it's helpful. Is it is it FCO? What's what's the website? Yeah. It's FCOIO, EPSIO okay. And there is a doc section. Is do you have like a Slack community of any kind of community yet? We're now now opening one. <laughs> okay. Well, we're looking yeah. forward to that. Um, yeah. Make sure, yeah, make sure to either blog or post it up somewhere, um, and we will. Uh, uh, I'll make sure to uh, to uh, share it with my community as well. I appreciate it. That'd be great. Yeah, great, Gilead. Um, uh, it's it was it was a great conversation, and I hope to speak to you more in the future. Good luck. Yes, well. Thank you. Fun, fun talk. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Okay. bye.